Uh, the text is out of John 17, 20 through 26. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. When the world will know that you, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is God's word. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Romero, for reading that. You guys would excuse me while I grab um, a sip of something to drink. As I just had a delicious cookie from the bake sale that the ladies' retreat is, uh, is putting on. And uh, if you haven't picked up anything there, be sure to pick that up because that cookie was awesome. And uh, so... My name is Kenny. If we haven't met, so glad you're here with us at New City today. I'm one of the pastors here. And last night, I uh, had a first experience. I went to an escape room last night. And actually, a lot of you, a lot of you that are here went there as well. We were celebrating uh, Mike Newland's birthday. I don't know if I don't see Mike in here right now, but um, he stayed in escape. <laughs> That was good. I should have thought of that. Um, but no, so we were there celebrating, and you know, it was a pretty uh, substantial group from the church. And um, for those of you who haven't uh, been in one, I mean, many of you probably have, but if you haven't been in one, you, you go in this room, and the whole goal, you have, there's a time clock set to one hour, and you have to use all these clues, find clues, whatever you can find um, to, to get through the locks and to get out of the room that you're in. And um, it's pretty intense, you know, because you, you feel the clock going down and it's counting down and you want to get out of there. I mean, I don't know if anyone's feeling claustrophobic or what, but it's, there's this adrenaline of like, oh, we got to get the clues. And, and uh, Hannah and I, when we were driving home, we were just like still like adrenaline, you know, like, <laughs> man, that was, woo, all right. I need to come down off of that. But um, there's a staff person in there, and they kind of set up the game, and they, they basically tell you the rules, and they're like, don't climb on the walls, don't, pull all, don't break any furniture, don't pull things off the walls, all that stuff. And the guy in our room said, uh, he said, what are, you guys, what are you guys celebrating together? What are you doing? And we were, oh, we're here for our friend's birthday. And, and uh, he's like, yeah, because I was trying to figure out how to put you all together, because it, I don't know, it was kind of a you know, diverse group, and I don't know if you guys are, are you guys like corporate or what, like, and uh, we were like, yeah, no, we were, we were celebrating our friend. And I, I, if I was a good pastor, I should have been like, we're New City Church, and here's my card. <laughs> but I'm still working on getting the card. But what was cool about it was it was like, you know, I was talking to him, I was like, I'm proud of our community. Like, it was, it was diverse enough that people with different styles and ages and ethnicities that, that this guy didn't know what we were all doing together. <laughs> And the thing he thought was, oh, they must be corporate. They must, they must have to hang out together. But, but it was cool, you know. It, was, it, was, it felt really cool and made me proud of, of, of our church and, wh- and what God is doing here. And, um, and another thing about the reason I brought up the escape room in the first place is that when you're in there, there's a mission to get out of there. And everyone's got the same goal and the, the team that you're with, if you're going to be successful, you have to work together. You can't just have, it wouldn't have worked. Our team wouldn't have got out. And our team was the first one that got out last night. Just going to throw in that. We did, we did have a few, you know, mathematicians and computer programmers on our team. So that helped. But, 
But it wouldn't have worked if like three people just kind of sat down in the middle and were like crying about like, well, we're never going to get out. <laughs> or if I'm over here doing clues to this lock and everyone else is doing other clues to another lock. No, we all work together. And because we were unified, we were able to use all the strengths that everybody had to accomplish the mission that we had. And why do I bring all that up today? Because today, as we're reading some of Jesus' words, there's some very important words that uh, Ramiro read for us from the scriptures there. Because um, they're, they're some of Jesus' last words to his disciples as he's, listen, as he's living, before he, before he goes to the cross. And, and it's a prayer that Jesus prays. And this is actually the longest recorded prayer that we have from Jesus in the Bible, this whole chapter is a prayer, and so we've been going through it in sections each week, and, and he, first off, um, he, he prays to God, he prays that God would be glorified through what he's about to do, and then he prays for his disciples, the apostles that are there in the room with him, and now he turns it, and, and I want you to think about how, how neat that is, that in some of the last words of Jesus, who, what is he talking about, and who is he praying for? It says he's praying he says, I, I pray, Father, for those who will believe in my name through their message. What he's saying is, I'm praying for future believers that aren't in the room yet. The people who are going to believe through the message of these apostles. What he's saying is, I'm praying for you and for me. Jesus was praying for you. If you're here today and you have believed in the gospel that the apostles preached, not just that Jesus existed and he was a good teacher, but that Jesus was the Son of God who came to show us what the Father is like and he died for our sins and he rose again on the third day to give us new life. You're reading Jesus' prayer for you, some of his last words. And when you read that prayer, you, you, pray, you find out that he's praying for us, but he's also praying for something that's going to happen through us. He's praying for this complete unity to be in the church. But he also says it's not just for unity's sake. He's, he's praying so that the world may know. So that the world may know that you sent me. That he was sent by the Father. And so this prayer today, as we look at it a little bit in depth over the next few minutes, it shows us that his mission for you is so important. And that at the heart of that mission is this idea of unity. That we would be unified in the church. The unity that Jesus is praying for is actually the means for the mission. It's the way the mission gets done is when the church is unified. Jesus prays for us to have unity in the church that's based on our unity with God and it's for the world not just for ourselves. So I want to look first at unity in the church. Is that all right? All right. Good. We're, we're basically unified on that, so that's good. In verse, um, verse 21, if you have your Bibles, you can just keep the passage open because we'll kind of be referring back and forth to it. Verse 21 and 23, in this prayer, Jesus is praying he says that all of them may be one. So he's talking about future believers, that all of them may be one. And then in verse 23, he's praying that they may be brought to complete unity. And so I want to start by asking this question. Has Jesus' prayer been answered? When you think of the church globally, and when you think of it locally, even down to just this body, our church, has Jesus' prayer been answered? And I would say that in some ways, yes. In some ways, yes. There is a deep underlying unity that is present in all genuine believers. And I know a lot, there's a lot of people in our church that have traveled and you've been to other countries and maybe you've done missions work or just regular work. And, and I, I'm pretty sure a lot of you have had this experience, and I've been privileged to have this experience in several countries too, that you could go to a different country where you don't speak the language and you find a group of Christians and you get together with them when they are worshiping Jesus and you are going to feel 
one of the deepest senses of unity that you've ever felt. Even if you can't understand what they're singing about, even if you can't understand what the preacher is saying, even if they ask you to preach 30 seconds before they want you to preach, right? Which happens, right? But at, at, I know many can attest to this. There's this deep unity. These are my brothers and sisters. I've never met them, but we're united. And, and even if you haven't traveled abroad, I know that you felt it in some ways. Even, you know, maybe it's when our church has gotten together with other churches just for a bonfire or for a worship service or or you visited another church and you felt like, hey, these people are part of the family of God. There is a deep unity. There is a way in which Jesus' prayer for future believers has been answered. But there's some ways in which it still needs to be answered. There's some ways in which his prayer still needs to be prayed. I mean, one way is just, you know, the, the, there are, uh, according to the World Christian Encyclopedia in 2001... There are over 33,000 denominations within Christianity. And you can debate, and, you can, and some people kind of parse out that number and say, well, they count every, one, every distinct country and that, and that group as an, okay, okay, I get it. But anyway, you cut it. There's thousands, thousands of denominations within Christianity. So there's at least some evidence of not complete unity <laughs> that, that Jesus prayed for. There's other ways, too. There's, there's ways that, are, that hit closer to home. There's a quote from uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. from 1960 when he was on Meet the Press. It's a very famous quote, but he talks about some racial disunity in the church. He says, I think it is one of the shameful tragedies of our nation that 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is one of the most segregated hours, if not the most segregated hour in Christian America. We have felt the sting of disunity in the church. And thank God we've come a long way since he made that quote, but there's still ground to cover. Recent church research from Lifeway in 2014 said that 86% of, of churches have one predominant racial group, which is improvement for what it used to be, which is 97%. There's still ground to be covered in unity in the church, amen? And when I look at New City, when I look at this church, I'm so thankful that I don't see people who just look like me. Because <laughs> this is... <laughs> Y'all know I like an amen corner, but it's... It's at the right times. It's, it's all in the timing. No, but I am. I'll take an amen on that. I am so thankful and, and encouraged and thankful to God for the diversity that is present within our church body. And I pray for it. Oh, there we go. All right. And I pray for it more and more. And I want it to be more real and more real, even if it's messy. It's a blessing. And it's something that we need, something that our world needs. You know, one of my uh, professors at seminary um, made a comment um, uh, a few months ago, but it, it stuck with me. And uh, he's spoken at hundreds of churches and, and just teaching and doing different things. But he said, you know, it's very, and you know, I'll see churches that are really healthy and they're growing, and I'll see churches that are really struggling and even on the verge of splitting up. And he said, you know, the ones that are splitting up, it's hardly ever that they're splitting up over doctrine. And it's almost always that they're splitting up over attitudes and issues of someone did something wrong and they're not forgiving them and they're bitter about this. And so we're going to split the whole church because we're not humble enough to ask for forgiveness and to have the attitude that Jesus had to serve one another. So there is evidence that Jesus' prayer has been answered, but there's also evidence that it still needs to be answered. Is everyone tracking with me? So if we've got this idea of Jesus prayed for us to have unity and to have complete unity, and we know that some of it's there, but some of it still needs to be there, then what does it look like? What are we looking for 
in the unity. What is the type of unity that Jesus actually prayed for in his prayer? As always, I'm glad you asked. And the first thing is, the first thing is, it's unity in the gospel. So there may be some kind of urge to say, well, we just need to find the lowest theological common denominator. And the thing that we can agree on and say, that's it, that's what gives us unity. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. Jesus didn't say, unite all the ones that believe I existed or believe that I was a good teacher or just a good man. No, he says, the ones who believe in me through the apostles' message that they preached. That Jesus was more than just a man. Jesus is the Son of God. And that when he died, it was not just a a tragic death. It was a powerful defeat over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And Jesus says, I'm praying for those who have actually believed in me and who I am and who the apostles have said that I am. I'm just bringing that up to say correct belief is part of the unity that Jesus is talking about. And it is important what we believe. This is not just a, can't we all just get along, unity that Jesus is praying for. It's not just a kumbaya moment, right? He's praying for us to be united around the gospel. I could say more about that, but this is one sermon, not three. So I'm going to keep going. The other thing that this unity looks like is unity in diversity. Unity in diversity. Another way of saying that is Jesus is praying for unity, not uniformity. Not that we all look the same or think the same or act the same or have the same background, but that we're unified despite our differences and that we celebrate the differences that God has given us and have shaped us into who we are. Amen? Yeah, that's a good time for an amen. I heard one of them. Let me guys read you one of my favorite verses from Revelation. Revelation 7, 9 and 10 has this picture of, of heaven. And, 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 it, and it says this. After, I, after this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Where were they from? From every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice. They're from every nation, tribe, tongue, and language, but they cried out in one voice. You guys see that? A great multitude, greater than anyone could count, had one voice in worship to God. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What am I getting at? God values the diverse cultures and ethnicities and backgrounds in humanity. And so should we. Because God does. Because heaven is going to be like this. So should we, even now. We give glory to God in our differences. You see, in heaven, we're not just all blended into one kind of homogenized uniform, cultural smoothie, right? But we will be unified in our diversity. Unified around what? Around Christ. Around who he is, around what he's done for us. And that's what brings us together. Let me put it another way. It's, it's all the ingredients that God brings together in his body, in his people, that that each bring their own kind of taste or their flavor that makes it together something that's better than if it was separate. Is that tracking? All right, so if you went to Lolita's on 10th and you got a California burrito, whoo, I'm preaching. All right. I'm, but I'm getting excited for lunch right now. <laughs> We're going to Lolita's today. Uh, no, but if you get a California burrito there, and, and you've, got, you've got, you know, the sour cream and the cheese and the guacamole 
and, and the salsa verde, and you've got the, the french fries, extra crispy. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Johnny Teola, for that suggestion. Wherever you are, thank you. Changed my life, right? But you get them extra crispy, and then you wrap it all up, unified in the tortilla, and... <laughs> woo! Amazing, right? Now, would you rather have a California burrito like that, or would you rather have a California burrito smoothie? Sorry, I just like built you guys up and uh. same ingredients, same ingredients, but one of them tastes great and, and the flavors all add to each other for this amazing experience and the other one you don't even want to think about right now because it's all blending up, trying to blend in with each other. Differences in race, class, gender, politics, age, differences usually divide us. But when we're united in our diversity, God makes something better out of us than we could ever be on our own. Amen. Another thing it looks like is that we're united as family. You know, I was curious a week or two ago, and I uh, typed in, brothers and sisters, to search through the Bible, just the New Testament. How many times the phrase, brothers and sisters, showed up to talk about the family of God? 124. 124 times that phrase. See, this is a family. And I know that term has a lot of different connotations for different people, depending on how your family was, whether it was good or bad. And I know a lot of times we try to shy away, but hey, this is how God called us to know each other as brothers and sisters, and not as the bad family <laughs> that you've experienced, but as the redeemed family that's learning what it means to be loved by our Father. And the Bible says that we're to see each other as brothers and sisters, it has this phrase, one another, forgive one another, love one another, serve one another, bear each other's burdens. Philippians 2.3 says this, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. That's the kind of unity as a family that God desires for this church and for the church at large. So why am I making such a big deal? excuse me, about this unity. Because if we miss this as the church, we will miss our mission as a church. Because Jesus prayed, and he says it twice, I'm praying this, that the world may know that you sent me. That the world may know that you sent me and that these people are loved by you. I have a question regarding that. If the world, if everyone who who doesn't know Jesus or doesn't believe in Jesus and who he is. If the world had to decide whether or not, they had to decide who Jesus is and whether or not he came from God. And they had to decide what God was like and whether or not God was loving. And the only evidence they had was the unity of our church. The only evidence they had to decide those things was they looked at the way we loved each other and were unified would they be able to tell or not? Would they be able to tell that Jesus came from God and that God is so loving that we are just enraptured with his love? Because Jesus is linking those things together in his prayer. So if that's a picture of the unity that, that God desires in the church at large and in, and in this church, Sometimes I know it, it can seem impossible. <laughs> Some of it seems easy, and yeah, we have that, and we rejoice over those things. And other times when the rubber hits the road, it's like, oh, that's going to be tough. <laughs> um, anyone going to be real with me today? Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, cool. <laughs> Making sure. Making sure. How can Jesus expect that of us? <laughs> well, also glad you asked. Because, because it's not something we're supposed to muster up. Yeah. 
It's not something that we're supposed to just decide on, well, he said it, so we have to be unified and grimace through this. <laughs> no, it's something that is based on the unity that Jesus has given us with God himself. It's based on our, the unity in the church is based on our unity with God. In verse 21, he says this. He prays that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. That's the kind of oneness he's talking about. The unity between the Father and Son. The unity between the Spirit is what he's praying for and making the analogy of the unity for the church. Verse 22, he says that he's praying that they may be one as we are one. So first of all, this unity that, unity that we have with God is a unity in the Trinity. It can be a, a little bit deep and dense to talk about the Trinity, and um, I just want to talk about one point quickly, and, and, and that's this, that when Jesus is praying here, he's praying to the Father, and I want you to see that he's saying that they may be one as we are one, and earlier in John he says, I and the Father are one, but, I, but he's not saying that we're one thing, they're, they're distinguishable, because there's a father and a son, and a son is praying to the father, right? But they're inseparable. They are one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is diverse in some ways, but unified in every way. Do you see that? Does that make sense? So we talk about God being triune, the Trinity, that there is a unity. And when Jesus is praying this prayer, he's invited us into that sort of unity. It's based in our relationship with God. It's also unity in the spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, I think we should have it back here. It says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And then this verse, for we were all baptized by one spirit. So as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, there's race, whether slave or free, there's socioeconomic status. And we were all given one spirit to drink. What am I getting at? We are united by the spirit of God that lives inside of us. This is not based on us all just having a certain affinity to one another. It's not based on, oh, we get along pretty easily, so we'll be united. No, it's based on all Christians were given one spirit and baptized in one spirit. To form one body. So it's a unity in the Trinity. It's unity in the Spirit. And it's a unity worth fighting for. It's funny because that's kind of a funny phrase, right? It's a unity worth fighting for. But it isn't. Here's what I mean. Ephesians 4. The next verse I want to read from you, read to you guys real quick. It says this. It's Paul writing... As he's in prison, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. That's a whole sermon series right there, that verse, right? We could, we could do that. Hey, Vince, let's do that. In yeah. May. Just kidding. Um, next verse. Look at this phrase. Make every effort. Make every effort. All the energy you have. All the effort you have to do what? To keep the unity of the Spirit in the, in, in the bond of peace. Through the bond of peace. Why? There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. This is a unity that we've been given by the spirit. So we have received it, but we have to develop it. It needs to be perfected. It needs to be fought for, and it's worth fighting for. Sometimes, sometimes in the church, we, we, 
We know that everything's been received by grace, but sometimes we can have the wrong response to that. Well, we don't have to work for anything. And there's a difference, right? You're not saved by your work, but you're saved in order to work, to do good works. There is a mission. We're not just supposed to sit in the escape room. There is a mission to the world. And it depends on us making every effort to keep the unity that the Spirit has given us. To keep pointing back to we have one Spirit, we have one Father, we have one Lord. Amen? Amen. It means we have to make every effort where it counts, where the rubber hits the road. It means we have to get really good at apologizing. It means we have to get really good at forgiving one another. It means we have to get really good at actually clarifying what I meant when I said that. <laughs> or finding out, what did you mean when you said this? <laughs> because here's how I took it. Does that make sense? It means we have to care enough to approach one another when there's potential conflict. I'm preaching to myself here, guys, too. I hope you're hearing that. We have to. We have to, because the Bible doesn't tell us to make half your efforts to, keep, to stay unified. Make some effort until it's hard, and then do something else. No, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I don't watch a lot of sports, but I do watch some sports. And when I do watch sports, I prefer college sports over professional sports. Anyone else in my... Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. There's the amen corner, right? But the reason I do is because when you watch college sports, the, the people who have not been signed to a multi-multi-million dollar contract, they're, they're trying to make it, they're trying to do their... But here's the thing, they leave every ounce of energy on the field or the court or wherever they are. They're not taking any of it back to the locker room. It's all out there. You know what I'm talking about? And then you watch like pro basketball and people forgot that you have to dribble and you can't take like five steps. And no one's calling it on them because that's the franchise player and they make $20 million. And, right? But in college, they're laying it all out there. They're making every effort. And you can feel it in the crowd because they're, they're tuned in. Why? Because they're not holding back. They're fighting for it with everything they have. What would it look like for us as a church to make every effort for that kind of unity? That kind of unity that celebrates the differences we have. That kind of unity that... that Brings us together in one spirit. Amen? Jesus prayed in verse 23. He said, so that they may be brought to complete unity. That they may be brought to complete unity. So they are at unity, but it needs to be completed or perfected. Excuse me. <clears throat> It's something that is true of us, but it's something that needs to continually be worked out in our everyday lives. Does that make sense? Anyone know the Lord's Prayer? Yeah? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. <clears throat> Sorry, give me just a second. Whew, all right. Remember, don't eat a cookie before preaching. It's the... Uh, but do buy the cookies from the, for the ladies' retreat. I'm <clears throat> just dealing with that, that consequence of that decision I made. Um, but the Lord's Prayer, here's the thing. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So they said, teach us to pray, and, and Jesus taught us how to pray. But here's the thing. You don't just pray it once, and then you're good. <laughs> oh, yeah, I prayed it. The kingdom has come. His will will be done. No, we keep praying it. Does that make sense? You keep praying for God's provision. You keep praying for forgiveness. You keep praying for God's direction. You keep praying for his kingdom to come into the situations in your life and his will to be done when you don't know what to do. Amen? It's the same with this prayer. We need to keep praying, Lord, bring your church to complete unity so that the world may know who you are. Amen? We need to be reminded of what we have because it's what Jesus died to give us. 
And then we need to live like it's true. To, like Ephesians 4, 1 says, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. It's true of you. Live like it's true. All right. Y'all still with me? So we, Jesus talks about a unity in the church, a unity that we have with God, and a unity that is for the world. Jesus has said three times in this discourse, uh, you know, he's been talking to his disciples for, uh, since chapter 13, and we're in chapter 17. So you guys think I'm long-winded, right? Jesus is, he's, we're four chapters in, right? But he said three times during this time, the world doesn't know the Father. The world doesn't know what God is really like. There's a lot of people who believe in some kind of higher power that they might call God, but it's not a father. It's an amorphous blob. He's kind of mysterious, right? God, right? But Jesus said three times, the world does not know you, Father, but I know you. Chapter 15, chapter 16, chapter 17. And then five times in chapter 17, he says the phrase, you have sent me. I think we might have a theme here. <laughs> we might have a theme that Jesus is getting at. That the world needs to know who Jesus is. The world needs to know that he's not just a teacher. He's not just a rabbi. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a religious man who's whose God consciousness was just so off the charts that he took humanity to another plane. He's not just one who showed solidarity with the poor, but he did. He's not just one who spoke truth to power. He's all of these things, but way more. He's God in the flesh. The word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory. The glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He's the Son of God who was sent by the Father to make God known to the world. To show us what God is like. I already quoted John 1.14. John, John 1.18 says this. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. The world needs to know who Jesus is. The world needs to know that God is a loving Father who extends his love to them. I know that every one of you under the sound of my voice right now knows people in your life who need to know this. They need to know that at the bottom of it all, the greatest reality is this. God's love. That God has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Spirit in perfect love in eternity past. Before there was any creation, God was still loving because God was in a relationship. Do you realize that? If God's not a Father and a Son, then we have no reason to believe that God is love. Because how can you love something if there's no relationship? If there's no one to love, how can you be love? Is he just a force field of love? No, he's love in relationship in eternity past. And he says, the world needs to know that I love them. The world needs to know that I came from God to show them the father heart of God and that he loves you. He loves you. It's not a platitude. It's not a force field. He loves you. And the world needs a church that is enraptured with this love that God has just lavished on us, just poured it out. Mm. Mm. John 3.16, for God so loved, who? The world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God's heart is for this world. God's heart is for the mission that he gave the church and the way that he's going about this mission, his means for this mission, is the unity in the church. That's his plan A, and there's not a backup plan. There's not a backup plan, guys. 
That should both give us cause to really fight for this and make every effort. And that should also make us think, wow, God, you privileged us to be part of your plan. Your plan to redeem and save this sin-sick, lost world. Our lives are meant to be lived in such a radical unity that people look at it and say, how? It demands a gospel explanation. They ought to look at us and say, what are you guys, corporate? (laughs) (laughs) But more than that, they ought to say, wait, you, you, you forgive each other? And then you keep moving forward in a relationship together? What? (laughs) How? Why? It has to be explained by the gospel. It has to be explained by this unity in the spirit that we've been given. It has to be explained by we've all been given one spirit to drink. We've been baptized into one spirit for the sake of the world, that the world may know. And so we have to ask, how are they going to know that love? Because Because it's so easy to choose our preferences over Jesus' prayer for us. It's so easy just to go along with the status quo and what's comfortable than to actually say, no, I'm going to reach and make every effort to be unified in the Spirit with you, my sister, and you, my brother. I'm going to learn to forgive you. I'm going to learn to apologize to you. I'm going to learn to ask for forgiveness. I'm going to learn to bear your burdens. I'm going to learn to encourage you. I'm going to learn to not just think of my own ambitions, but think about what you need. It's so, we're so easily divided by our differences and splintered off. And I'm, I'm so guilty of this, just kind of wanting to sequester off and divide a portion off of God's body, of Christ's body, and be like, well, this is the body. But no, we've got one body. How will the world know? Well, verse 26, the last verse of Jesus' prayer, gives us a little glimpse of this. When Jesus, still praying to the Father, says, I have made you known to them. He's talking about to the apostles. And will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. You see, this is the end of the chapter, and this is the end of his prayer. This is some of his last words, because the next verse, he, he's in the garden, and he's very soon arrested and bound and brought to trial and then ultimately crucified. But Jesus said, I will continue to make you known. How do we know God loves us? Because Jesus continued to make God's love known to us on the cross. Woo! Somebody's feeling the spirit. He continued to make God's love known for us on the cross. Jesus was willing. You know that perfect unity? that he described, I and the Father are one. You know that when he went on the cross, he became sin? Who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God? Do you know that he was willing for the Father to look away from him? For that perfect unity that he had enjoyed in eternity past to be cut off. Why? Why would he do that? So that we could be brought into that unity of the Spirit. You know, he, the word was made flesh, that Jesus, that Jesus who existed in the eternity past, that God came in the flesh and that his body was on that cross and he was willing to let his body be broken and, and disintegrated in a sense so that we could become his body on earth. We could be brought together to form one body, one integrated body on earth. That's how we know that Jesus 
loves us. That's how we know that God is love, because Jesus was on a mission. He, yes, he gave us a mission, but he was on a mission, too, to let the world know that he was sent by the Father and that the Father loves. And it wasn't till he was on the cross that he said his last words, which were, it is finished. He finished his mission. Those were his last words. And when you see who he was, and when you see that the Father loved him in eternity past before creation, and when you see that he came to reveal God to us and that he died on the cross to defeat our sins, to overcome our shame, to conquer every fear, and to rise victorious over all that and to give us new life, that's when our hearts are filled with and reminded with the incredible, immeasurable, immense love of God that he has poured on you and poured on me. And he has filled you with the Holy Spirit to testify that, yes, this is true. God is our perfect heavenly Father. And Jesus is the Son of God. That's when you realize how important this unity is in the church. When you realize that, that Jesus died so that we could have it. Does that make sense? That's when we realize how important it is to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. Because we see how much it costs. And we see how beautiful it is. And we see the beautiful thing that's in his heart. That no one else in the world has been able to do for all of human history. And yet Jesus' prayer was audacious enough to ask for that. That's when those around us begin to see the truth of who Jesus really is. And that, hey, maybe God really is loving. And there's people in this room that I know part of your story was that. Because you got around people in this church who were actually going through life together and loving each other in a unified way. And you had never seen it before. And it began, you began to ask questions like, these guys corporate? Yeah. <laughs> No, it was not on the notes. <laughs> but you begin to ask questions about who God is. See, that's the vision that Jesus has given us in this prayer, that we're unified with Christ, that we're unified with each other, and that as we grow and, and that unity gets completed and perfected and we make every effort and we pray Jesus' prayer that we become a testimony to the world and to the people around us, the people that are already in our lives, that Jesus is the Son of God. And that the Father is loving and he loves you. Would you like to know it? Amen? What would it look like? I thank God for every bit, every ounce of unity that I've already seen displayed. It is a gift of God that our church is as unified as it is. That is God's grace and I never want to take that for granted. We've still got work to do. I want to see it. I want to, I want to echo Jesus' prayer in my own heart. Bring it to complete unity. Unify us, Lord. Help us to represent the, the community around us. Help us to represent you and your heart to the people around us. Help them to know that they have a place here, that there's room here in this unified family, and that this unity is something we're willing to fight for, as long as it doesn't involve punching, right? but to fight for. That's our prayer. That's our hope. That's what it means like for the unity that Jesus has given us to be the means for our mission in San Diego and the world. Let's do that. Let's pray for that in Jesus' name. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with a prayer. Father, you are great and gracious. Father, you have revealed yourself as love. There's so many misconceptions. There's so many ways that we get it wrong. There's so many ways that 
we fall short of understanding you. Um, but Lord, you are faithful. You're faithful and you're true. And we're so thankful today that, that you have revealed yourself as love and that we have received it, even if it's just dimly, Lord, even if it's not in a, a full expression or a full understanding. We thank you, God, that we are beginning to understand your love for us in Jesus Christ. And God, I just, I, I, I lift a prayer up for this church, for everyone that's here today. God, I pray that this unity that you prayed for would become a goal of ours. That we would thank God for all the ways in which you've answered this prayer. But we would, we would continue to pray this prayer, God, and see, it, and see it pushed forward, Lord. God, I pray for us as a church that we would lead lives that demand a gospel explanation. That don't make sense outside of your grace. They don't make sense outside of your love, outside of your truth, outside of the power of the Spirit. Lord, that's what you've called us to. And so we thank you for that, Lord. God, I pray if there are, are any here who have not yet believed and, and are curious and are seeking for that relationship with you, Lord, I just pray right now that there would be a faith that would rise up, a faith that would say, I do believe that God loves me. I do believe that Jesus came to save me from sin. And that's why he went to the cross and to give me new life. And that's why he rose again. I pray that you would increase that gift of faith that you put in someone's heart right now. And if that's you, I pray that just ask you to say yes to God. To start talking to him even while I'm talking to him. Lord, I pray that you would bless us as a church. Help us to long for this and to contend for this unity. Help us to grow in it by the power of the Spirit. Help us to be an example, Lord, so that the world may know, so that San Diego may know. Let us be a new city so that this city may know who you are. So that more people in this city will come to know you as the loving Father that you are. So we love you. We thank you. We praise you for all these things. In Jesus' name, the church said,